Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, Hawks executive Arthur Trish. Do you not have privileges with the rookies? You can't make them take care of that? Ooh, you think I'm going to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? I value my life. With your host, Galliot Anderson. Stop it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, Richard Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming. Do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. Welcome, welcome to the Hangtime Podcast, the Las Vegas Summer League Edition slash USA <laughs> Basketball Training Camp Edition. Lang, you don't have uh, $100 million, you haven't had microfracture surgery, and we'd still sign you, my friend. <laughs> still I, sign you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> What's going on, man? How was vacation? Or what, what passes for vacation in 2012? Oh, it was great. I spent about... Um... About a week and a half, mm-hmm. doing doing nothing pretty much. So, I, I can't complain about that. <laughs> Cooking out at night, um, hitting the hitting the beach. Nice. Had a good time. Um, nice. And now I'm now I'm back at home. I'm watching the real training camp on uh, NBA TV. And I know Very you're about nice. well. You're like ten minutes away from that. I am just a few minutes away from them. Supposed to be a practice today, but we have more pressing business. The Hangtime Podcast coming to you, like I said, live from Las Vegas. Um, by the way, I don't know if you heard about it during vacation or not, Lane. Dwight Howard might get traded at some point here. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard about this. Do you I mean, think? The, uh, do you think? Do you think the Atlanta Hawks are having a chance at this? Or it doesn't. From what I've been hearing to you know the last couple of days, it sounds like they're on the outside looking in at the whole thing, but they're they're definitely hovering. Over the steam and kind of, kind of circling like vultures, waiting for somebody to drop out and to, and to be able to swoop in there and make their case. I, you know, but it's hard to tell. I mean, so much has been centered on Brooklyn, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn and the Lakers and Rockets. Of course, as reported by TNT's David Aldridge, has have come into the you know picture here late. But I can't imagine if it, if it's not going to be Brooklyn. You know the Lakers are the the only other plausible offer that I've that I've heard of and seen any you know information about. But speaking of the Lakers, 
you guys, Steve Nash, change, changing teams since we last uh, talked here on the Hangtime Podcast. What are your thoughts about Steve Nash leaving Phoenix for the Los Angeles Lakers? I think it helps the Lakers out. You know, the, the one thing that we've talked about for years is the Lakers having trouble defending smaller, quicker point guards. And I don't know that that changes with Nash. He's not really a, you know, defensive specialist. Um, but I do think, <laughs> I do think they, you know, that's, I think Kobe said it, that he thinks it's kind of a good cop, bad cop with the two of them. Uh, you know, every team Nash is on, every player loves him. Um, and I, I do think he'll, kind of give that team a different sort of leadership than, than Kobe gives them. Uh, don't you think that's got to be the biggest, maybe the biggest surprise of of the summer so far in the NBA? No question. No question. It's the, you know, somebody asked you, what, you know, what you thought you might see during free agency in the summer here. That's the last thing you would have mentioned. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I love the way it went down. I love how, I love how a team comes out of nowhere and, and, you know, and makes that deal. And really, Nash made the deal. I mean, it sounds like Nash was the one who, you know, weighed his options and, you know, realized that he'd be closer to his family and, uh, you know, by staying on, on the West Coast and, right. and being with the Lakers closer to his kids in Phoenix. And that, I can't, you know, I can't knock him. I know it seems crazy. I know Suns fans are, uh, you know, are beside themselves. But um, it's hard to, to get mad at a guy when he chooses his family first, you know, in terms of where he's going to play as opposed to, more money or whatever, because he could have got more money in, in Toronto. Um, well, and also, you know, we people always talked about when's Nash going to go somewhere he can win a title. And, um, you know, I, I do think out of all the options there, the Lakers were probably the closest to winning a title. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's hard to knock him from that standpoint as well. You know, he wants to win, and that's what he's trying to do. Definitely, definitely. Um, Lang, in addition to the, uh, all the craziness of free agency, this, you know, this is arguably our – our perfect storm time in the <laughs> NBA uh, with summer league cranking up the way it is right now. And uh, nobody loves summer basketball like you. I'm sure I know, I know you remember you were trying to get out to uh, Nate Robinson's uh, summer league Jersey retirement ceremony that one time. <laughs> I, remember, I know you sold a couple of uh, family heirlooms on eBay to get that ticket. It's, <laughs> you've, you've probably seen, some of the the first round picks that are that are toiling away in summer league, but do you feel like you can you can really gauge how good a guy is going to be in a in a summer league atmosphere? Like how good that's going to make make him in the in the regular season? I think you can get a gauge of, of how well he can uh, how well a player's game will will fit in the NBA. I don't know if it's a um, a perfect gauge for the regular season. I mean, even in like preseason, you can't tell how well yeah, a guy's going to yeah. play. In the NBA, but I do think you can tell if a player has, um, you know, whatever. The, you know, you're always looking for like a certain specific skill from a guy, and I think that's a good way to tell um, if a guy's got it or doesn't have it. Basically, right now, have you have you been you've been out here to summer league before? Haven't I've you? never been. No, I've never been to Vegas summer. I've been to oh. Vegas a bunch, but I've never been there during summer league. Um, I've been out there a couple times for USA basketball stuff too, but. Right. Uh, one time for the tournament of the Americas, but I'd never happened to be there during summer league. Right now, this this is what I like to call basketball a palooza. I mean, it's just every time, every corner, you know, they you you turn around and there's somebody dribbling a basketball. Um, you know, uh, the only other thing that's getting more attention right now is the slots. 
here in <laughs> Vegas. So, and, and I, you know, thinking about it, you know, and, and how this, this whole thing broke down, it, it, it allows us to get to our first guest on the show here today, Lang, Warren Legary, who is the, from what I've been told and what I understand, is the architect of the Las Vegas Summer Basketball League that uh, goes on here with all these NBA teams. and um, The godfather. I, yeah, the, the godfather of the Las Vegas Summer League is joining us now here on the Hang Time Podcast. Warren, how are you, sir? I think you got the wrong guy because our, <laughs> you put... You two, put two teams together in a gym, and there's your summer league right there. Very sophisticated. Okay. Well, somebody had to do it. I mean, what, why well, Vegas of all places? It, it, why, why it's here? always luck and timing, being in the right place, right time. But it seemed to be that Vegas was really looking to have something on a permanent. The city was really behind it in the beginning. Uh, they had a lot of players here. They were thinking, well, why not capitalize on having them here, make it a little bit more visible during the summers. You know, Houston for many years and L.A. had – had grabbed some of the attention, um, and then for whatever slippage, whatever reasons, it uh, it didn't seem to be that way. And somebody was looking to take a lead. And fortunately, the city backed us. Uh, we had the uh, what we call the player whisper. Tim Gergovich was was here, so a lot of players were already out here working out. It seemed to make sense. It took a few years to get the league to buy into it as well because of the old sort of feelings that Vegas is a little bit on the more slippery slope side than. Uh, uh, than a more of a off the strip community with, uh, um, you know, very family oriented, you know, fastest growing school districts in the country. And I think that ultimately they started seeing the promise here. And then fortunately they, uh, they gave us a shot at it. And the rest now is becoming sort of summer league history. Right. How, and how many teams do you guys have now? You know, is, is it 22 now? No, we're actually 24 this year, but that includes the D-League All-Star, which is a formidable opponent for almost all these teams because these kids want to make sure they show the NBA that uh, you missed on me and you're going to be you're, you're going to be sorry for that. So right. we, uh, we've got 24 teams this year, which is the most we've ever had. And probably right now with the amount of time that we've, uh, that we've allocated to the uh, schedule, it's the most we can really handle without maybe the product suffering a little bit. Yeah. Now, now, Warren, when you have this many teams, you know, converging on a city like this, does it become a logistical nightmare? Or is Las Vegas one of the few places that can really manage this type of influx of of tall guys and uh, coaches and, <laughs> and officials and everybody else coming into town? Well, the one thing we know, we won't have a hotel problem here. So um, <laughs> that, that, that part is already built in. That makes it very easy. Also, this is the kind of town – that accepts, accepts celebrities being here, so they don't bother the guys a lot. So guys can, you know, move around freely. They um, they don't feel encumbered, you know, and uh, it's, you know, it's not hard to convince a lot of people that maybe you should spend the summer here in Vegas uh, for a few, you know, a few weeks. So, you know, there's also an appetite for coming here. Um, you know, the one thing that we've been really fortunate with, the way the, the university has uh, – set itself up they have a main gym which is where the running rebels play the thomas and mac um they have that and then right next to it they have a smaller arena which uh has served for women's basketball as well as some uh um i think some uh, volleyball. and uh that's next door in order to accommodate that many teams in a 10-day period we have to play in both gyms and fortunately it's very accessible so it works out and it creates a whole other atmosphere um you can see all these great things you know going on games are going back and forth 
so it, it created sort of like a harmonic convergence of, uh, of uh, you know, a basketball, a basketball happening here, and it's uh, it's fun to see, you know, crowds going back and forth depending on the quality of play or in between events. They always feel like there's something to see, something to be involved with, and in that concourse in between the two arenas, you'll see guys that you only read about, heard about, seen NBA legends, and heard about. And it's a chance to be up close and personal, and it really becomes a, uh, one of the true fan meccas in terms of up close and personal with people who you normally will never, ever have a chance to be that, uh, that involved with. And so what, it, makes what it, it makes fans, it really interesting for the fans, very fan-friendly. Yeah. What, what, what are the fans mostly looking for? Are they looking for a good game? Do they want to see you know, some of the rookies who they, who they haven't seen yet with the, in the NBA or, or – uh, no, I, I think, you know, what, the one thing the NBA does, is you're probably well aware of, is they really promote the draft, the upcoming rookies, who they are, what their potential is. And I think that sort of whets the appetite for wanting to see it yourself. Um, I think that the one thing that we've proven is that we really provide a, uh, a terrific forum for competition. When they had Jeremy Lin going up against um, John Wall, we were sold out. We couldn't put any more people in the gym, which is unusual for summer league. Yeah. And it was a game that everybody was as much a fan as well as emotionally involved. And, I mean, it, it mattered to people what the outcome was going to be. And, and I think that the one thing the players know when they come here, because there is this atmosphere, and I don't want to take too much credit, but they seem to play harder. They understand it matters. And the whole world is watching because we have people from all, you know, all quarters of the globe here, from Europe, you know, Middle East, South America, the Far East, everybody's here. So everybody knows it matters what I do out there. It's going to be seen not only by the fans in the gym, but because we have NBA TV also um, not only promoting but certainly broadcasting all the games, it's going to be seen worldwide. So it seems to add a little bit of an edge to the games, which then gets uh, the fans, I think, appreciate that, how hard the kids play when they are out here. Hmm. When when you first... Dove into this thing. Did you imagine it would grow to this scale? I mean, were you prepared to to take it to this level, or were you hoping that it would, you know, would just be well, a, a competitive component to the to the summer basketball scene, but maybe not the kingpin? I mean, this thing has now become the the preeminent event for the NBA in the summer. Well, I'd love to be able to show you my University of Hindsight T-shirt, where you're always <laughs> a my beta cap the genius. No, you know what? In the beginning, all we were looking for was to put together something that was going to be credible. One of my early experiences with Summer Leagues was at a Loyola Marymount. That, in my mind, was the Mecca. It was mm-hmm. a place where they, a number of teams were there. I, it was in the teens. You could be in one spot for a number of days. And I was a young kid in this business trying to meet people, trying to get to understand how this business works. And you were there for a number of days. So you've got to develop friendships, business relationships, um, overseas, you know, acquaintances and for whatever reason that model sort of came apart and they started doing these satellites around the country which only lasted three four days so it was very difficult to develop those kind of uh, relationships in such a short time and so what we did is we set it up to be that again where people have a place where they know they're not going to have a hard time finding somebody they want to meet or somebody that they they have to meet and it's a lot of business, as you know. A lot of the stories coming will start coming. Will be broke here in Vegas uh, as the free agent signings start uh, start happening. So it became just a a real easy place for people to do business. 
a very supportive place. And I, in, in the NBA has been a terrific partner. They've also been as, 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 as responsible as anybody to help us grow this and to create a brand that, uh, that people now actually set up their summer schedules around uh, our days. So the NBA has been very instrumental, too, in, uh, in making this thing a, a bigger-than-life reality. Yeah. Last thing, Warren. You know, now you've got 24 teams. All the games are, are televised now. And what? Where do you go from here? How, how much bigger can this thing get? Well, what you want to make sure you, you the, your your product is still something that people want to see. You don't have any slippage, and uh, you keep working at it. Once you do achieve this sort of level, you want to make sure that you don't slip away from it. So, you know, our goal is to always keep a real tight and a very reasonable product out there that people still want to come and see, that the NBA is still proud of and they see a need for. And, you know, don't forget, this is one of the very few places where young coaches get a chance to really, you know, display, you know, their skills um, or grow them. And it's another place for young referees. They use this as a way for referees to to gain, an, you know, a, you know an, a chance to ultimately work you know, in the, in the show. So this is now setting itself up so that it's contributing on a lot of ancillary areas that are still as important to the league. And now, you know, you're trying to set up certain meetings that hopefully with players associations, they can also educate the players. So it ultimately becomes sort of a, uh, you know, a basketball um, seminar as much as it is a, uh, you know, a basketball um, mecca for, for the, uh, you know, for the fans who can't get enough of it, you know, during the regular season. There's no doubt about it. Warren Legary joining us here on the uh, Hangtime Podcast. Listen, we know that was that was 14 minutes you didn't have. This is can't be anything but the busiest week of your summer. So we appreciate you joining us, Warren. Well, and good luck. With, guys, you know, get out pleasure. and enjoy some of the stuff and uh, look forward uh, to it. You're very kind. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. We really appreciate it. Without you guys, people won't get to know about this, and without people knowing about it, it's, it's an, it would be a, an, it, 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 an unfortunate secret. So we want, I'm glad you guys are getting it out there so that uh, everybody understands it. For the, for, it's the best entertainment value in Vegas. With $25, you get seven games a day. You can't, you can't find more basketball or more bang for the buck. So come on out and see it. All no right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Warren Legare, right. appreciate you coming on the thanks, Podcast. Lang, I, I don't uh... – I don't argue with anyone that, uh, you know, it's it's become a different monster. I think when I first started messing around with the NBA, they were still doing summer. They were still doing the league in Boston. Um, right. In the I remember summer. that. And uh, so I remember when this kind of this, this move to, hey, you know, there's something going on in Vegas and maybe the Vegas summer league. It's kind of grown over the years. Um, and now, you know, you couple that with – you know what's going on in Vegas, and and uh, with not only the summer league, but when the USA basketball team yeah. program is out here training as well, you really have like, I mean, I've been walking through the gym all week. There's not a coach, and you know, an agent, uh, certainly not uh, any mover and shaker in basketball who's not in town. You know, if they're not here already, they're on their way. Yeah. You know, the the future of the game is here. The young guys. Uh, yesterday they had the under seventeen guys. Uh, the gold medal under seventeen team from USA Basketball was on the court watching LeBron 
Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, Darren Williams, and the, and the, the men's senior national team practice and get ready. It's just a, it's just a unique environment in terms of basketball, um, all being in one place at one time. I'm not sure there's another time where you get every level of the game in one spot. And I think that's what makes it really interesting is these summers when you have the summer league component with the USA basketball component all to mixed together that makes it really special. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I think our, our next guest, Lang, can speak to that more than anyone. Um, uh, the managing director and chairman of USA Basketball, Jerry Colangelo, is joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast. Uh, Mr. Colangelo, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. We've got a lot of noise in the gym because our, our team has gone through a pretty lively practice. So uh, we'll do the best we can in communicating here. Oh, no question. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us. Um, I, yesterday, the topic came up, and, and I was just mentioning that, you know, the, the the younger teams that are involved in USA basketball, being around the, the senior team as they're preparing for the Olympics, how invaluable is that for those younger guys to see the Olympic team preparing like this, and, and, and what does it do for their ambitions and hopes about being on those teams one day? Well, it does a lot. I mean, let's face it, when you have something to emulate, when you have someone and some things to look up to, and our program for USA Basketball on all levels of the junior teams, men and women, 16, 17, 18, 19, it's, it's loaded right now with players who want to play and success. Um, you know, nothing but gold medals with one or two exceptions over the last uh, seven or eight years. And uh, we, we try to, uh, to bring in young students who <clears throat> have won um, to sit in on a practice, to sit in on a team meeting. We want them to feel a part of our program. And, and I think that's really paid uh, big dividends for us. Mr. Colangelo, I know you've put in together this team. You had several challenges from the timing of the team to dealing with injuries, things like that. What what was the most challenging part of putting together the team for, for the 2012 games? You know, the, you know, it's kind of interesting. This is a pretty good topic because the extension of the NBA season, uh, in other words, extending the playoffs as deep as they did, um, the fact that this year's Olympics is a week earlier than in the past uh, has contracted our opportunity to get things done. This week was a week of distraction for us with player contracts, players some players unable to perform like Darren Williams and Blake Griffin has missed a couple of times. And it, that was about contract. And then you had some injuries. Our point guard Darren of course couldn't play until today because of his contractual situation. Chris Ball with a, uh, a thumb situation and we're a little bit discombobulated. If this camp had been one week later uh, it would have been very smooth. So just another challenge. It's going to take us a little bit more time to get to where we wish to be, uh, but we'll get there. Hmm. Mr. Colangelo, you, you talk about the challenges of the, the 2012 games, and so many people want to talk about, uh, you know, Spain or these other teams. But are the, are the biggest challenges in, in meshing these two groups of, of players that you have on this squad in terms of the guys who were left – Still here from the uh, Beijing team, and then the guys who played in Turkey in the World Championships and won gold. Is it is it more about getting these guys on the same page and having them come together? Yeah, you know what I think it is. It's it's the following. 
it's getting everyone to know exactly what their role is. So it's an assimilation process and a comfort level. They they have great camaraderie. They really do. These uh, these group the group of uh, players from 08 and 10. And the good thing is they're now seasoned international players. We have 10 gold medalists from Beijing, five, and from uh, Istanbul, another five. And that goes a long way toward preparing you. Um, Mr. Colangelo, I know I talked to Coach Ashevsky a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about one of the things that he's tried to do is establish a culture there for USA basketball, which there, re- there really wasn't an overarching culture because they're new coaches every Olympics. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I know that's one of the things you try to do too since you've been there is establish like a, a, a culture f- for the program. Well, being responsible with full autonomy to pick the coaches and players, that's exactly what we had in mind. And I couldn't have picked a better partner than Coach K for all that he is and what he believes in. And so we're just following through on on standards and, and what we really had in mind from day one. Mr. Colangelo, listen, we, we know you're busy in there. Real training camp on NBA TV is going on right now. We appreciate you coming on the Hangtime Podcast with us, and uh, we look forward to London and everything else. So okay. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Lang, I, I think the, the point you made, Lang, about uh, the culture is is one of the main things that's been talked about out here uh, You know, since I got to Vegas is just – there is just an absolute, you know, buying in of everybody. You know, you see all these guys, LeBron, Carmelo, Kobe. Kobe doesn't have to spend his summer playing right. with USA Basketball anymore at this stage of his career. 34 years old, you know, 17 years in the league. He could he could have easily ceded his spot to someone else. You know what I mean? Sure. And And there are guys who want these spots, like Eric Gordon, is coming off an injury and is a restricted free agent this summer. He was out here busting it, trying to get a spot on the Olympic team. I mean, do you do you feel like we've seen a complete metamorphosis of the program in the 20 years since the Dream Team? You have the World Championships in Indianapolis where the, the, it seemed like the bottom basically fell out. Mm-hmm. Um, to losing in Athens, the redeemed team, you know, four years later, and now here we are with this combination of the established stars and the, and the guys who have been around the league eight, nine years. And then you have Durant, Westbrook, Love, Harden, and some of those younger guys, Blake Griffin, who are really the future of, of the, the national team all kind of here. Now, do you, do you feel like it's kind of a 20 year cycle of this thing is, is on display here? I think, you know, I talked to coach K when I was doing that dream team story for GQ and, and he, I kind of said it to to Mr. Clanzo there, but what he said was, you know, previously they had all these different coaches every Olympics. So, so yeah. you know, one coach might want something. Someone might want something else. One coach wants to run his own. One coach wants to run man, whatever. It, it changed mm-hmm. from coach to coach. And I think having Coach K be in charge for this long a time, like you hear him talking about Russell Westbrook right now and talking about how, they want to use Westbrook in that Dwayne Wade role. You know, you've yeah. heard him the last couple of days he's talked about that. Um, there wasn't a role like that beforehand, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's, this is, but now that they have a system in place, it's almost like the San Antonio Spurs. They have a system and they have to just plug guys into different things. 
Um, and I think that's really gone a long way to kind of creating what they have now. Um, I'm curious what happens when Coach K moves on eventually. Um, you know, do they find someone else and plug them in there for a while, or how's that going to work? But uh, I do think, as you kind of alluded to there, having Coach K there has made a a big difference um, in the entire the entire program. Yeah. Well, it's funny you you mentioned that. You know, where do you go when Coach K decides that? Right. You know, maybe to get out of the way and, and, and let somebody else, you know, handle this. I was looking at the rosters of the younger teams after hearing about, you know, well, they got the young guys out here and they want gold medals. And then you start looking around and go, well, who's the coach of the under 18 national team? Billy Donovan. I mean, they don't just have Coach <laughs> K. They, I mean, like, they got the best coaches. Paul Hewitt's the coach of the under 19 team. I mean, they got the best coaches – uh, you know, all across the board, you know, right. and, and I think that is what makes it a completely different program. You know, um, there's a chance for uh, a streamlining of the the national program under Jerry Colangelo and, and really Mike Krzyzewski as well that I think didn't exist, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, when we got to the point that we needed the dream team to go to Barcelona and kind of save, you know, rescue America's basketball honor. You know what I mean? It's, right. It's, it's kind of interesting. Kobe, of course, yesterday uh, during the, the media session uh, before practice mentioned, you know, some inevitably somebody's going to ask about who wins between, you know, the dream team and, and basically every other Olympic team we've ever had. So they asked Kobe, like, you know, how, how would you guys fare against the dream team, the original dream team? Yeah. Well, Kobe Bryant being the competitor he is and, and the uh, diplomat he is, he didn't say that the current team would win every game by 20. But he certainly thought that, you know, this, this current 2012 group would edge the original dream team. It And it begs the question, you know, we've come to the point now where people feel like they should they can have a legitimate conversation about that, which to me is pretty striking because – I was at the world championships in Indianapolis when, you know, when Paul Pierce and Baron Davis and those guys struggled under George Carl and just, you know, got humiliated basically by, right. by some of the international competition for us to even have that conversation now to me, you know, is a tells you how far the program has come. Um, but what are your, I mean, what are your thoughts when you look at not only this team, but the, the Beijing team, uh, the Sydney team, dream team two for that matter. How do you think in a in a fantasy basketball revisionist history world that kind of competition would go when you have the best of the best of all these eras, you know, squaring off against each other? You think anybody could handle the original Dream Team? No, uh, <laughs> I, I got an argument about this with somebody recently uh, about uh, that the last that the twenty the twenty thousand eight team yeah would have been able to beat the uh, the the original Dream Team yeah. And I just don't see it. Am I crazy? <laughs> no, no, I, I have a hard time. I mean, listening to Kobe say that he thinks, you know, this team now that hasn't even gone to London and played yet, would, you know, would edge the original Dream Team is pretty funny because he's talking about some of their wing players being a little older. And, you know, said, Kobe's 34. Right. He's the oldest dude on this team. You know, he's, he's no spring chicken. So to hear him say that was kind of interesting, but – I don't. I don't know how you would combat that original team. They had shooters. They had big men. They had a point guard that would have been impossible for anybody to guard. 
They had another point guard in, in you know, who was as, as good as you could get on both ends of the floor. <clears throat> and then they had, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, Michael Jordan. Yeah. In the prime of his career, like heading into the prime of his championship career. And I just, I don't know how you fight that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think maybe the, the this year's team, I mean, I don't know who on the dream team would guard, on the dream team, they didn't really have someone who could guard a Chris Paul. Um, you I know, mean, we I mean, say that, but I mean. I mean, who? but who would you put on Chris Paul if you were the dream team? I don't know. I guess John Stockton. I, I don't know. I mean, but, but remember, he was hurt too, so I don't yeah, know if. Yeah. So he, I mean, I but we're talking about a, we're talking about fantasy. I, mean, I know vision is you know it's, if we're just talking about in the, in the tough part, Lang is you you look at it and you say, well, who would you put on this guy, that guy? And we're talking about them at their very best, as opposed to you know, because no matter how you frame it, we're thinking of these guys at their pinnacle. You know, like Larry Bird was not in the prime of his career in 1992, obviously. Um, right, right. But when you remember it, you, you, you know you're thinking, oh yeah, but. Even though he was laying on his stomach, you know, fighting that bad back, Larry, it's Larry Bird, you know. Um, I look at it and say to myself, Christian Leitner was the last guy on the dream team. Right. And and I don't even remember Leitner playing, even though they were winning by 40 every night. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember. I do not, literally do not remember Leitner getting off the bench. The last guy, who, who would be the last guy on this current team? I mean, maybe James Harden? Like, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, like... Uh, Hardener, Iguodala, maybe I don't, you know, whoever it is, whoever you think it is, they, I mean, they're every bit as star-studded for for the time, you know, relatively speaking. Well, you know. but wait a minute. I mean, you also have to remember, and, and Carlissimo, Coach Carlissimo, told me this in that Dream Team story I did. That yeah, he goes, you know, it, it's a little crazy, but you sound crazy to say this now, but. Christian Leitner was maybe the greatest college player ever. No question. I mean, you can no make question. a case that he's the best college player of all time. Of all time, yes. Um, so, I mean, who on this Olympic team now could you say that about? I know. That, that's my point. I mean, I don't know that I'm looking for a weakness on the original Dream Team, and I cannot find one is what I'm yeah. telling you. I mean, I don't, I don't know that this team has a glaring weakness either. I mean, they don't have size. You know, Tyson Chandler would, would have his hands full with David Robinson and, you know, Malone and these guys. And then you talk about, well, who guards Chris Paul? Well, who in the world guard, guards Charles Barkley yeah. on this team? And who, you know, who keeps up Who keeps up with Jordan? I know Kobe is, is sure that he could handle that job, but... Well, let's say that. Let's say you put Kobe on Jordan, you put LeBron on Barkley, maybe. Yeah. Um, Somebody's got to guard Durant. Scotty Pippen. Got, yeah, maybe Pippen on Scottie Durant. Scotty and, and Durant. Uh, somebody's got a guard, you know, you got Carl Malone and, uh, I think the one place, Carmelo, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where you go from there. You know, the one place I think that the, the original team, you can make, say that they had a pretty clear advantage. The dream team was at, at center because they had David Robinson. They had Patrick Ewing, um, you know, and then they could also, I guess you could stick Malone in there if you needed to, but you know, this team doesn't really have a scoring center, this, this right. year's team. Right. The, like, the, like the 92 team had. Right. Uh, but I do think that this team, the 2012 team, has quicker, smaller point guards. I mean, between Darren Williams, Chris Paul, Westbrook. And, and Westbrook, that's yeah. three guys that that 
the other team, you know, they didn't really have anyone to guard those little jitterbug guys like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't really know if that's enough to make any difference. You know, the, the other thing that keeps popping in my mind is talking to all those guys, and, and actually Coach K talked about this, was that if there was ever any problems in, in 92, that they – it wasn't offense, it was defense that they yeah. used. Uh, you know, they considered him a, a defense-first team. I remember Chuck Daly coached the team, and they said, you know, he, he basically – same thing he did in Detroit. He did with that dream team. He didn't really care about offense. It sounds right. kind of like Mike Woodson. He didn't care about offense. He, he just <laughs> Who was figured, out here in Vegas, by the way. I'm sure. I figured you know, he didn't want to, He didn't care about the offense. He just wanted him to defend. Um, and he said, you know, if there was ever a time where the other team scored two, four, six points in a row, you you could be sure Jordan and Pippen would be on the court together to just shut down right. defensively. So I think as good as this. 2012 team is defensively I, I just think that team was so much better yeah and I, I mean we talk about the the quick point guards that the uh yeah. this team has somebody on this team would have had to guard magic yep who was but you know contrary to popular belief magic was not past the pale on that in 92 he was still yeah a great great player and he was healthy he you know he he was actually rested you know he had a He'd had time to rest, you know, and, and heal from all the the playoff battles he'd had throughout the eighties. I mean, he was in he was in fantastic shape. He would have been an absolute nightmare because that means LeBron or Kevin Durant would have probably had to guard Magic, yeah, on the defensive end. Um, you know, to, I mean, I, as I, I wrote and 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 put on the Hangtime blog, and we and there's a poll on there as well. So hopefully, people go on there and weigh in, but. Uh, I would I would donate a dollar for the to build the time machine that allows us to go back <laughs> and play these games. I, I would very much like to be a part of that. Um, we need to. This needs to be a video game. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, the, and there are some very real challenges that that await this team. I mean, they have to go over there and play. They're missing Dwight Howard, Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. They're missing some key pieces from the 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 national team roster guys who are out injured, they're going to have to take on the competition in London without several of the guys who have been stalwarts for the program. Um, Now, granted they have the additions look really good. I mean, you add Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Blake Griffin, Kevin Love. I mean, that's not chump. That's not, that's not chump material you're adding (laughs) to the roster, you know, right. Right. They They could have their own Olympic team and probably medal. If those five guys and, you know, whoever, you know, you just picks up some dudes off the street in London. They might be able to, that group might be able to win a medal. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, to me, it's one of those age old arguments that, that you could, you could d- debate it, you know, until the end of time and you'd never convince everybody one way or the other. Um, I guarantee you the guys involved in, in all those teams, and that's going all the way back to Jerry West and the guys who played in the 60s. Yeah. Um, none of them are ever going to, to give an inch. They, they would all believe that they'd have won, you know, playing at their best in whatever, you know, in whatever era they matched up in. They're going to believe they'd have come out on top. And that's what makes it sweet is that, you know, these guys are the best of the very best at their time. And, uh, and they have the supreme confidence in their abilities that they would go out and be able to win that. You know, a one shot winner take all, you know, 48 minutes of hell. Let's get it on you know, clash of the Titans between Olympic Olympic teams. I'd like to see it. 
I'll pay money to see that. I'll pay money to see that. Uh, Listen, we're going to get a chance to see that and so much more, obviously, uh, over the next uh, week and a half. Summer League is cranked up here in Las Vegas and going strong. The the Olympic team is going to kick off their exhibition schedule, Lang, uh, Thursday night here in Vegas against the Dominican Republic. And they they move on from here to D.C. and – they go, you know, they play in Spain and in Manchester before the, you know, before the games even begin. So I mean, we're going to get five opportunities to see them in competitive games and see exactly how this group works. You know, you heard uh, Mr. Colangelo talk about, you know, these guys figuring out, you know, who does what and kind of figuring out their roles. Is this is the time they're going to have, you know, to do that? And uh, talking to Mike Krzyzewski every day. He feels good about it. I mean, he feels good about the group having coached them all. You know, he coached yeah. the world championships, coached the the Olympic team. They couldn't ask for a better situation in terms of a guy having to pull it all together, don't you think? In in having a coach who's dealt with all these guys. I agree, and I, I also didn't realize it until Mr. Colangelo said it that they've had the team has ten gold medalists on it. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So so they're you know even with a coach who's been there, all these players have been there for the most part, and I think that plays a big part in um you know them being able to to know what they're going to face and know exactly how they need to play to to win another goal yeah well i'm looking forward to sir i'm glad you got off vacation in time uh you know you can always come on over and hang with me in london you know (laughs) come on i I think my passport expired but you have fun (laughs) over there no doubt about it. We are uh, cranking up summer basketball, summer league basketball, USA basketball, the Olympics coming up in a couple weeks. It is all cranking up here on the Hang Time Podcast for everybody that loves the game. Lang Whitaker, back from vacation, back in the mix. Good to have you back, sir. Uh, we will get back on the grind next week uh, with, a, with a little bit of an Olympic preview, Lang. We're going to have to knock on some doors and talk to some of our friends uh, overseas and see if they can come on and, and maybe preview some of the competition that the U.S. team will see in London during the Olympics. Um, so get get the cobwebs out, my friend. Let's get back to business. I'm ready. All right. We appreciate you joining us this week on the Hang Time Podcast. Thanks to our guest, Warren Legary, uh, who runs the Las Vegas Summer League here, and Jerry Colangelo, the managing director and chairman of USA Basketball. We will see you next week right here on the Hang Time Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express you breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good see how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex, don't live life without it, eligible American Express card required, benefits vary by card and by venue terms apply